Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So this morning, as each week we've been encouraging the children through the gift of Claudius to think outside themselves, it's important that we do that. It's not natural, I think, for us to think of other people. I think we have to train up our children to do that. And I think we have to be reminded to look outside of ourselves. And there's no better time to do that than Advent and Christmas. And that's because even the story of the nativity is about those who did not look outside themselves. What would you call it when a young pregnant mother bearing her firstborn and very great with child shows up in a town and has nowhere to rest, nowhere to sleep with safety and forget comfort, just safety. And her exhausted husband who has brought her on donkey is just looking for a place where she can have their child and yet we forget often in the story that in Bethlehem, people who were related to Joseph, who were of the house of David, had come back and had gathered there for the census. His own relatives couldn't seem to think outside of themselves and find a place for Mary. Maybe they had judged her. Maybe they had determined that because this child was obviously not of Joseph, that they weren't going to help her. Maybe they had determined that they were too busy with their own families and their own lives and they just couldn't take on one more thing. And so Joseph would just have to rely on the kindness of someone else. And person after person abdicated the very thing that Micah called them to do. Now, Micah is a fabulous prophet. He was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah. And while we consider scholastically Micah to be a minor prophet. He's not minor in importance. He's just minor in length. So if you really do enjoy hearing what Isaiah has to say over a very long span of time, then I commend that to you. However, if you might not have the attention span or the time or the diligence to read all of Isaiah, then read Micah. It's much shorter, gets right to the point, and has the same prophetic message about God's judgment and then God's hope for God's people. And so Micah says very clearly, what is it that's important? Is it being able to worship with thousands of rams and all these flowing rivers of oil? Is that what's really important? Absolutely not. It's not to offer up your firstborn as atonement for your sins. Instead, it is about doing the three things that God has asked of all of us. Do justice love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. And there's no better time to focus on that, to look outside ourselves and take a good hard look at who we are and what we do to see if we are fulfilling the prophecy of Micah. Are we those who do justice? And justice, not as an ethereal thing that they debate in courtrooms or back deals that they work out so that when the gavel falls, this is justice. We're not talking about earthly justice. We're talking about divine justice. 
and divine justice that God meets out is about looking at the person, is about taking a moment to consider the context and what it is that has brought us to this point. Have you ever had earthly justice? Earthly justice looks like you were doing 30 miles per hour on Jarman's Gap and you get a ticket. That's what earthly justice looks like. And the cop doesn't pull you over and go, what is going on? How is it with your soul? Is there something so scary and detrimental that you're flying down Jarman's Gap? Is something going on? Do you want to talk about it? I got pulled over in Maryland by a state trooper one time. He did not care about the state of my soul. He did not care what was going on in my life. I was actually going back to New Jersey for the last time before I moved back to Virginia. I thought I had good reason. But it wasn't about me and my context and what I needed or granting me any grace. Instead, it was about, here's your ticket. I paid it. But that's not what we're called to. We are not called to earthly justice. We are called to do justice. And justice lived out means that we are those people who determine that we are going to take a moment and invest ourselves in another person. That we are going to determine what is right here. What is it that God would have me do given this circumstance? Not what do I have time for or what is you know, the, the limits of social etiquette that I can push here, but what is it that Jesus Christ himself would do if he were standing here right now and this were asked of him? What would he do? And we don't have to guess because the Bible is full of gospel accounts that tell us precisely what Jesus did. Doing justice according to Jesus looks like stopping and listening to another human being, valuing their dignity, granting them dignity, and then being willing to forgive and set them free to try again. Jesus says it over and over again when he comes into contact with people whose lives are marked not by their humanness, but by their sinfulness. And he says to them, I forgive you. Go forth and sin no more. Not third strike and you're out, but instead, go forth and sin no more. He came to give us grace. And day in and day out, he gave grace. That is to do justice. It doesn't mean that we eradicate consequences. It doesn't mean that we don't have the conversation. But it does mean that it isn't about punitive pain and suffering. Instead, it is about modeling what we ourselves want. That we want to be forgiven. We want to be freed. And we want to try to do it again better. So how could we deny that? Where is the justice in denying a bed to a great with child woman who is far from home, frightened and alone and getting ready to bear her first child? That's terrifying under the best of circumstances. I had a bed in an epidural and I was still terrified. And yet, Mary, under these circumstances, with only Joseph by her side, brings forth not just her child, but our child. The Christ child is for all of us. This is not only our brother, Jesus Christ. This is Lord God Almighty come to earth for us. 
And if we are to pay proper homage to that, then we have to do justice in our lives. But Micah doesn't stop there. Micah commands us to love kindness and not just appreciate it in others or take time to do it every now and then, but to love it. When you love something, you nurture it, you cultivate it, you edify it in others so that it will grow and it will continue to flourish and deepen and mature. You actually have to develop this passionate love for kindness. For kindness. To whom? To those people, the people that I see, the people who want things from me, the people who seem to be demanding things, the people that are needy, the people that want those people, I have to develop kindness for those people. Yes, we do. We have to put aside all of the naysayers, all of that language that pours into us going, don't give that guy $20. Do you know what they buy with that? We have to put aside the feeling that if we go ahead and do this, they'll never learn to fend for themselves. You're just helping them. You're enabling them. All you're going to do is just continue this cycle where they stand over there and they ask for more. Are we not those who constantly stand before God and ask for more? More grace, more forgiveness, more love, more knowledge, more encounter. We are those who are practically begging God for more. And does God ever tell us no? You've had enough grace. I've been giving you grace for 37 years, Sarah. I think it's time to call it quits. Absolutely not. We are those who are to love kindness, to set aside time, to sacrifice of our time and our gifts, our energy, to take the moment to see what it is that somebody truly needs and to ensure that they get it, to help those who are lost find their way, to be invested in someone enough to truly bless them with an act of kindness, not just a kind word. And when we see someone who is being kind to us or to others, we have a duty as Christians to edify them, to thank them with gratitude and to say, I appreciate what you are doing. One of the greatest compliments you can ever give someone else when you are a Christian is, I see Jesus Christ in you. Do we take the time to say that to people? Or is it just, thank you, moving on? Or, oh, wasn't that nice? They did that. That's great. What are you doing for lunch? We don't want to move on. We want to take a moment and just truly be grateful. For those who are kind, those who are kind to us and those who are kind to others, we want to nurture it so that others will in turn see and encounter our kindness and decide that this is the way to be. This is the way we should live, being kind. Otherwise, we can all go around in our little spheres of influence and pretend like it's all just about us and the people that we truly love, and the world will continue to deteriorate into chaos and depression and hurt and sorrow and ultimately suffering. But Christ didn't come for that. Christ came to love kindness and teach us to love it too. To really embrace what it means to be a child of God is to love being kind. And to love it when the person to whom you are being kind could care less. To love it even when they say, leave me alone, I don't want this. To love it even when it is spurned and spit upon and even hated. We love it.
because kindness isn't about the feedback you get. It's not about the feeling that you may get when someone goes, oh, you're so awesome. Instead, kindness is about doing it even when you are persecuted in the midst of being kind. It is to go beyond your comfort and your hope for a good reaction and to put yourself out there in vulnerability and authenticity and say, I am doing this because Jesus Christ would have done it and that's what he would have me do. And so we love kindness because God was first kind to us. But last and certainly not least is to walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly with our God. Not an easy thing to do in this culture. This culture is not about walking humbly. This culture is about hold your head up high. Strut about. Tell people what you've done, where you've gone, who you are. Own it. And Micah has the gall to tell us to walk humbly with our God. I don't even know if I want to walk. Maybe I want to get up to ride. Instead, Micah is pointing out that all of our life is a journey. It doesn't matter how old we are or when we've come to the table of Jesus Christ, we are walking with God. And if we are going to walk all the way into the kingdom to come, then we are going to have to do it with humility, to humble ourselves. And that's not to debase ourselves, to think bad thoughts, that we're so unworthy, that we're horrible people, to flagellate ourselves emotionally, mentally, intellectually with the concept that we will never be any good. Instead, it is to say, God, as much as you have done for me and for all that I am, I know that you can make me better. I know that I have more to learn. Teach me, Lord. Teach me more. I was raised to believe that we never stop learning. My father was pretty much a professional student until my mom said, cut it out, we have two kids. So four college degrees later, my father finally threw in the towel. But just like my father, the United Methodist Church says that I have to keep learning. Never mind that I have a master's in divinity. And that's when I went to hold aloft my sword and say so. I have a master's of divinity. As impressive as that sounds, the church doesn't care. It doesn't matter that I have sacramental authority and power in my hands that traces itself back to Jesus Christ. Church says, that's nice. And now you need to continue to learn. Continue to learn? I have a master's degree. I can officiate things. But the world is always changing. We are always learning more about this, for one. And there is no one that has ever finished reading this. Do you know how many times I've read this? Not enough. Not enough. We are never finished learning. There is always more that the Holy Spirit teaches me when I read this book. There is always more that the Holy Spirit opens my eyes to, that the Holy Spirit goes, you know he's talking to you, right? Because we are called to be learners. Divine wisdom is bigger than any human being could ever encompass. But we are called to continually fill ourselves with it. And so we have to seek it. We have to humbly ask for it. Lord, show me your ways. Tell me what you would have me do. Who would you have me be today? And so we have to ask and seek and in gratitude, continue that process our entire lives of being disciples that are going deeper, 
that are seeking to love more, to gain more knowledge for the purposes of being more effective in building the kingdom here. We walk humbly so that that can be done. And overall, the United Methodist Church looks at people just like me and says, as smart as you may think you are, there is more to learn. And so every year I have to report my continuing education. Here in this room at a charge conference, I have to tell you what I've done to grow in knowledge. And then I have to report it every four years to the Virginia Annual Conference. And they keep tabs on it. And if I didn't do it, if I didn't get eight continuing education hours every four years, well, they'd do something. I always have, so I don't know what they do. But they would do something. And they would have every right to. Because as your leader in your worship service, as your pastor here Monday through Saturday, my job is to make sure that I am always equipped to do the work that you need me to do. And I must continue to grow and walk humbly in order to do that. So that in turn, I model for you what it is to grow and walk humbly with God so that you can go out and be blessings to others. And if we start to get to the point where we go, I've gone to enough Bible studies. You know, I've really seen a lot of Ash Wednesday. I think I'm tapping out this year. If we become those people, then who we hurt is not just ourselves. We don't just offend God, but we really deprive those out there who need us to be the best disciples we can be. And so we walk humbly so that we can be. And sometimes that involves us looking and going, you know, I thought I was pretty awesome, but maybe not. God, help me be an awesome disciple. Help me be the person that the next needful person needs. Help me to be the embodiment of Jesus Christ that you would have me be today, that I may meet the needs of those who go without. Help me be more than I am so that others will discover all that you are. We are those people who continually ask for God's help. And if we're not asking for God's help, if we're not seeking to be deeper in love with God by walking humbly, then what makes any of us think that God really does want to spend an eternity in the kingdom to come with people who are ungrateful and not really interested in being in relationship with God? This is the God who came to us in the Christ child on Christmas Day moved heaven and earth for our benefit and said, all that you will do, all the things that would stain you, all the things that pervert my will, that hurt me, that break my heart, all of those things I will forgive you for. I will grant you more grace than you could ever use because I love you this much and I will walk with you every day of your life and beyond until you enter into the kingdom to come. And there you will be with me for all eternity. I love you that much. And we aren't walking humbly with God if our response isn't, I want to take every step with you. I want to know you in a way that will rend my heart, that will make me push the sinfulness from within and embrace what it means to be beloved, forgiven, and free. So that eternity in the kingdom to come really does mean something. So that we become those who live every day, not wishing that the world will end, but having confidence that when it does, 
whether it's our individual life or the return of Jesus Christ, that we are ready, that we are excited, that like that kid in your life that wakes up at 4 a.m. to open presents on Christmas Day, that you wake up with excitement and you say, hallelujah. So at 4 a.m. on Christmas Day, if some child should wake you up, I hope that before the child can say anything, you will say, hallelujah, Christ is born. Because he came for us. He came to ensure that there would be no obstacle to walking humbly. That there would be no way that we could not do justice. And that for those of us who find it hard to love kindness, that he would show us exactly what it looks like, sounds like, and feels like. So that we may go and do likewise. And if Christmas, if Advent isn't about preparing for that, then what are we doing? This is our time to look at ourselves and say, if someone were to come to me in their time of need, I will not say no. I will not cross the street to get away from them. I will not ignore their pleas. I will not cloud out their existence so that I can focus purely on me and my own, but instead, while the world passed by Jesus, we will stop and honor him in every person, in every situation, so that more and more it looks like the kingdom is already here. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.